Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Hallowell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome back to another episode of Canucks After Dark, the Christmas special, kind of, that wasn't planned, but Clay's dressed up in his Canucks suit. Uh, I've got the tree behind me, uh, and it is our last show before Christmas, so it is a, a lovely time to gather uh, and talk about our favorite hockey team that only played two games this week, but man, they were some fun games. As always, joined by, by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing, Clay? I'm great, Parker. I hope you're well as well. I love the festive background. I do not have a festive background, but I have the festive shirt, as you said. And uh, I guess it's time to be festive for for me. I released a new Christmas song today, and it's my lovely daughter Kayla's 14th birthday tomorrow. So I'm in a very festive mood, and nothing wrong with starting off with a little Canucks talk with you for an hour. Absolutely. We've got (laughs) two hockey games to talk about this week. Only two, but hey, that's all right. Uh, and then we do have a bunch of other topics of stuff that sort of like slowly trickled through the, during the week. Obviously, there's the pause that basically the entire league is on as of tomorrow. Not today, but tomorrow. Uh, you know, can wait a day, I guess. Uh, we've got a couple of we got a we got two hirings, kind of hirings, one promotion, one hiring. Uh, we've got some candidates getting leaked out by the big media, by uh, the Pope, the folks in Hawking in Canada, doing a little bit of uh, grilling of Jennifer Botterill uh, live on uh, on the air. Uh, we had some GM candidates come out uh, and a bunch of other stuff. So a bunch of stuff for us to talk about tonight. Uh, but other than that, uh, anything new, uh, anything new other than this going on? Am I, am I missing anything or are we ready to dive into some hockey games? No, I think if we go chronologically, I'm sure we'll like kind of sweep up everything as, as we go throughout the week for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's start top of the week. We, our last show of course was last Monday. So Tuesday, the Vancouver Canucks, have another home game this time against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, if I say game of the year, do you think that's fair? Uh, I, I think from an excitement and drama level, yes. So if that's what you like, sure. Was it the highest quality of hockey ever played? I don't know about that, but yes, from a, a drama and interest and yeah, just overall, overall emotional investment. I'd say it's right up there for sure. For sure. Yeah. And it, it sort of, it, it was, it felt like the end of the win streak, right? The, uh, the I mean, Columbus comes out, <laughs> scores three goals in the first period. Yaro Halak gets to start for the Canucks and he lets mm. in three goals. And it's like, oh no, it's, it's over. Things come tumbling down. You know, this is classic Canucks. They, they put Halak in net. He lets in a couple of not great goals and the Canucks are going to lose their win streak. There's a we want Demco chant at Rogers Arena, which is so tough, so rough to hear. Could you imagine being a goalie in like your sixth start of the season or whatever it was for Halak? Uh, yeah. Hearing that, but the Canucks with a few guys out uh, with COVID. I think they had Shen, Lamico, and Hunt all out with uh, with COVID. Uh, yep. so it was sort of the start of their COVID uh, issues. Pullman left had. after the first period. And then, yeah, Pullman gets yanked out five minutes in, which was or like he played five minutes of ice time, which is, is crazy. That that's possible <laughs> that, that he can play that he can start the game, but he, you know, like that he can get yanked halfway through. Yeah. Um, but I mean, three, nothing after the first period, I want your take after it was three, nothing Eric Robinson gets his section of the night who I, yeah. I imagine you had never heard of. Cause I have never, never um, <laughs> gets his fourth and fifth goal of the season. Um, what were your thoughts after the first period? 
So Parker, you uh, I'll put you on the spot. You know where I usually am on where I am on Tuesday nights, right? What sport yeah, I'm partaking? That is yeah. true. You were probably bowling. Yeah, so I was. So at the bowling alley, I see the the screens, but we don't have sound on, so I don't know if they're talking about these are really good goals or really bad goals. But I do know that uh, the third goal was not a good goal. I know that even just from right. the eye test, the the second Robinson goal. The other ones, yeah, a nice centering pass on the first Robinson goal. And Domi's, was that a nice one? I can't remember. Um, so Domi's goal yeah. was basically Quinn Hughes uh, lost an edge on the back check. So he fell down. Yeah, uh, they, The Blue Jackets played to the point and the shot was on Halak and it squeaked through him and mm. stopped on the goal line, basically. Okay. And then Domi jammed it in. Okay, I do remember that. So... Uh, yeah, you see three nothing. It doesn't look good. You know it's Halak. I didn't know about the we want Demko chats ja, chance. That's brutal. That's like one of us um, having a rough answer, and then everyone in the chat chanting for the other guy. Like that's just not nice, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it wasn't great. And and it, just overall, you know, it's one thing if if the the other team scores three goals and it's like ah yep. they're having a bad game, whatever. But the Canucks looked like the, their old selves. They looked lethargic was sort of the yeah. word that I picked out for it. They looked slow. They looked, they mm. looked like they did two or three weeks ago. They, they were just like slow on pucks. They were the second to every battle uh, shots yeah. were only 12, eight, which didn't look bad on paper, but they just looked slow. Right. So they come out and Connor Garland in the second period gets things going. And Actually, goes, Parker, oh, before you get to that, can I ask you one quick question about the goaltending sure. too, before, thank you. Did you hear Boudreaux's um, answer is his uh, explanation justification as why he, started Halak in this game. I did not. He did not want, he did not want to keep Halak. You know, we were joke uh, guessing that it's going to be Demko, 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 and then Halak on the Saturday or the Sunday. Right. He, yeah, he said he didn't want Halak to come into a back-to-back cold. Imagine if they had played Demko all three, including Toronto, if the game went on and then put in Halak against Arizona yesterday on Sunday. It would have been weeks. Yeah, it would have been weeks. And if you're a tired Canucks team, are you giving Halak justice or doing him justice? Are you giving him the best chance to win? So anyways, Boudreaux's point was, I didn't want to bring a Halak cold off of weeks on a, the second of a back-to-back. So that was his reasoning. Just, yeah. Right. Um, so second period, uh, <laughs> Connor Garland was mad. <laughs> he was mad the team was losing. So he goes after Gavrikov. Uh, like, Gavrikov kind of hit him into the boards. Nothing crazy. And Garland hit him back. And then they're like, they are going in a battle into the wall where Gavrikov like pins Garland's head against the boards for a good like three seconds. Puck's gone. Uh, so Garland's mad. He goes, he takes him to the net and then he Garland throws the gloves down. Gavrikov just stands there. Of course, classic <laughs> refs, both of you go to each, right? They're never going to, they're never going to pick one. So sure. kind of fire the team up. So on the four on four, uh, the Canucks get one to go. Bo Horvat uh, goes in with Quinn Hughes on the two on one. And uh, this was leadership in, in this <laughs> goal defined. Bo Horvat said, I'm scoring and we're getting back in this game because he just ripped one uh, yes. into the top left corner to make it three one. Know how he why he scored Parker? He didn't try his little inside out move or outside in move. I don't know which one it is, <laughs> but uh, he likes to shoot. We know that, and he's got a pretty wicked release. So that was nice. Yeah. That was really good. Was was the goal even set or should the goal uh, kind of? But it, it was a okay. perfectly placed shot. It was far okay. side. I don't know if he was ready for it right away, but a uh, really good shot. It's funny seeing the stat here. It's like oh, and that was Quinn Hughes' twenty first assist of the season on that goal. <laughs> like wow. he's just racking up the points and. And that was kind of the only thing that happened in the second period, but the Canucks mm. were all over the Blue Jackets. They outshot them 18 to five yep. in the second period. And it was just a ton of pressure on the entire time. And, and looking at this, it was like, okay. And, and I had mentioned this, or I, I had written this down in my notes after the first period. I'm like, 
this is going to be a real test of 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 Boudreaux, right? Are the Canucks <laughs> going to come back from this really bad first period? And sure, they've probably already lost the game. The Canucks haven't come back from a three-goal lead in five years. The entire Travis Green regime. They had wow. never come back from a three-goal lead. So we're sitting there thinking, okay, game's, game's over. But hey, can they at least show some fight in this one? And they go out there. They dominate the second period, mm-hmm. uh, which they only get the one goal. But hey, 18-5 to five in the shots. And you're just thinking eventually they're going to start going. They have to eventually. And they keep that pressure going. Uh, to start the third period as well. They have, you know, they have uh, Horvat almost scores early, hits the crossbar uh, when he tries to bat one in, which was pretty sick. Uh, and then we get an Elias Pettersson goal uh, as Pettersson starts a little run here where uh, Connor Garland fed one through to him and he missed it. And you're kind of thinking, oh, Petey, like, ah, oh, you got to get those. Those are freebies. Uh, and then they try it again and it works. Uh, yeah. So it's 3-2 uh, as Pettersson uh, just sort of taps one in from Garland. And as you're watching this, Parker, because remember, I'm still bowling. I'm still watching with no sound. Even before PD's goal, did you were you pretty confident, given the way that they played in the second, that they were going to at least make a game of this? Yeah, I, I my, my thought was, look, if eventually things are going to go, right? Like, eventually they have to. If they keep playing this way, worst case, it's 3-2, right? Yeah, and they right. still lose. But, like, they are playing, they are doming the other team. And at this point, it all comes down to puck luck, whether the shots go in or not, because if they get 18 shots in the second period and 13 in the third, uh, eventually they're going to have to go in. Right. Mm. And, uh, you know, we're looking as a good goalie, but the Canucks, yeah. you know, made plays that forced these goals to happen. Right. That Pedersen goal was a tapping on the back post. That's yeah. nothing the goalie can do about that. Right. That the, that's the defender's job to tie that guy up. Right. And then the next Canucks goal, which is all Quinn Hughes, <laughs> Quinn Hughes yeah. just walks in. And looks, he's looking so good right now. Where he walks around the net, just waits, waits, waits for Pod Colson to have that open lane, fires it through the defender's legs. Pod Colson settles it, waits, and then scores yeah, yeah. Uh, to make it 3 3. Pod Colson, that was kind of funny because it was such a good pass. Maybe it surprised Pod Colson, or maybe he wanted to be extra sure. But it's almost like, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that you're pretty confident, pretty casual, but. Uh, get it going. Get it yeah. towards the net. <laughs> to me, honestly, that showed a lot of poise when yeah. I saw that because because I'm thinking of like if you drop me in that scenario or someone who's like not great and and, yeah. and has a little has some panicky moments. Um, <laughs> it's really easy to have that puck come to you and yeah. see the open net and just try to one time it and like the same hits your stick, bang it in. And look, if Pod Colson had done that, it probably works because he's a good hockey player. Right. But there's a lot of times where you can just like you can swing, you miss it or you whiff it and it goes wide or you fire it right through the crease and, and things don't yeah. work well. And I think he had the poise to know there's no defender on me. The goaltender yep. cannot get around. The best thing the goalie can do is uh, reach his Foil. stick back yep. and put it on the goal line. So yep. I'm going to stop it and I'm going to put it 10 inches in the air at least yep. and make sure it goes in. Uh, and in a 3 2 game where you're kind of struggling to get things to go in because they probably had like, you know, 30 shots to this point. Uh, that's a, that, I love to see that, right? That's just like, it's, it's just poise uh, in my opinion. Yeah. You're a great point. And, and you are a much better hockey player than I am. I know if I was ever putting that spot on my roller hockey team, they wouldn't even bother trying passing to me, man. Like they would just, they would just take <laughs> that's the shot. You just, you just put your skate <laughs> on the ice on an angle so they can just shoot yes. it at your skate. <laughs> but great point about good and good alliter- alliteration on Puck Holzen's poise because yeah, I think he knew that if he tried to one-timer, it could go off the heel, it could go off the tip, it could, 
go right into Merzlikens. I can't even say his name, but yeah, for him to stop it. And it, it was probably way quicker because we're watching it in slow motion because we're admiring Hughes' pass. It probably looks way slower than it was. I'm sure mm-hmm. it was a split second, but you're right. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And that's why that's why he's going to be a good player, man. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you know how we've been talking a lot about how the Canucks go on these stretches where they don't get shots for long periods of time almost every yeah. single week? Uh, this happened to Columbus. Columbus didn't get their first shot of the third period till 12 minutes in for the third <laughs> period. So the Canucks had already tied the game uh, by then. Uh, Pearson almost scores. Uh, and then the very first penalty of the game gets called, uh, which the Canucks do nothing on, uh, unfortunately. Uh, then, so it's 3-3. We have Zach Wierenski going down and firing one off the post, mm. which was scary. Hart jumped a little bit there. And <laughs> then the Canucks go to the power play because Peak, who, again, I had never heard of, uh, dragged down Brock Besser with just 72 seconds left. So a chance to win the game. Yep. And uh, this was sweet. It, it was JT Miller, who's been... JT Miller's been quarterbacking the power play a lot more. Like it's been running through him a lot more than, than it normally has. It's kind of 50, 50 between him and Hughes. Mm -hmm. Um, But he just rips it through everybody onto the tape of Horvat who just puts his stick down and basically tips it top corner, a perfect play. Yeah. And the Canucks win it. Uh, Well, there's a couple other stuff that happened, but they make it four, (laughs) three at the very least with 59 seconds to go. Was Miller's pass a saucer too, like a hard saucer? Yes, because it That's... went over. There was one stick that got in the lane too, and it so, would 100% have blocked it. So it lands exactly where it needs to. And then Horvat, showing equal amount of skill, is able to, you know, even I know this, even though I suck, I know that there's that one sweet spot where when you uh, slap it at the exact time that it hits, that's the hardest you're going to get, right? That was a beautiful yeah. play by by Horvat too. What a yeah, shot. and, and Horvat's, you have to think about it, right? Horvat's skating in towards the net, right? Yeah. And to get your stick down, uh, yeah. and he's he's a lefty, right? So yeah. to get your stick down, what you have to do is you sort of have to open your skates. You have to have okay. one skate facing the post and one skate basically facing Miller at that point, right? Yeah. So you're yeah. opening your skates and his stick is kind of in the middle there. And right. all he's trying to do is just get enough leverage to, to get it as it hits there to get it up, uh, which is it's split second. It has to be perfect. It's so easy for that to hit the toe of your stick or just not get enough uh-huh. on it. It goes wide or, you know, it just doesn't work out. Uh, or, you know, you shoot it right into the goalie's chest is also very possible, right? <laughs> it's so hard to aim this shot, um, which is uh, really tough, but he made it work. So there's euphoria. We we score with a minute left, but as you hinted at, we weren't done out of the woods yet because then something else happened. Yes, uh, we have OEL taking a penalty with 35 <laughs> seconds left. Uh, and Yaro Halak <laughs> makes up for the, the rough first period with a huge save, like six seconds on the clock, uh, at like an enormous save. And then that's kind of it. Wierenski missed the net with like half a second left and the game was over. Wow. Wow. Okay. I, I'm willing to concede that that was, yeah, definitely game of the year material for sure. Yeah. And I think it's main contender is that Rangers game uh, from <laughs> yes. a few weeks back, which was again another game they were losing. They tie it up. They go win it in overtime. Uh, this one, I mean, you, you saw the stats after the fact where it was, their first win after being down three in five years, their first regulation win after being down three in like 12 years, their first regulation home win after being down three since 1996, (laughs) which that's crazy, right? I mean, you think about it, it's like, okay, well, they've probably played 800 home games since then. (laughs) And it hasn't happened once. And Parker, (laughs) and you, you and I know it's not because 
they are such a good team that they never go down three goals. No, it's because every That's time they it. go down three goals, they can't come back. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's uh, it was a big win. Uh, it was wow. a big win for the Canucks. Uh, the captain led it. Um, it was an awesome game, super fun, and a game that no one really expected to go the way it did. Um, so that it was, and that uh, makes it five straight for the Canucks. That yes. made it okay. five in a row wow. for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, and that was Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday they have a road game. They have to oh. travel. What are to those? Saturday, a game that we didn't know if it was going to happen until basically the True. night before. Um, yeah. and I think uh, was it. Was it Murphy? Was it Dan Murphy who tweeted it that it was like happening? And then it was like Sat Shaw who like took a picture of Dan Murphy tweeting, like, looks like we got to work tomorrow or something. <laughs> I thought that was really fun. Um, so that's on the Thursday. Canucks win this one five to two. Uh, and it's another pretty exciting game where the good players continue to be the best players, right? We talk about the Columbus game, the Canucks goals, Horvat, Pedersen, Pod Colson, Horvat. Hughes with three assists. Uh, yeah. best with an assist, right? We have Miller getting points too. And we go to this, this next game. And once again, it's the, uh, it's the, the big guys getting points. So the first goal is a classic Brock Besser goal. Uh, Tanner Pearson makes the best play he's made all season. I'll be honest. <laughs> Tanner yeah. Pearson hasn't been great this year, in my opinion. Uh, and he made a really good play. He wins a battle. He sort of pokes it over to Brock Besser, a really nice pass across to Brock Besser, who's just standing at the left side face-off circle. And uh, he just takes his wrist shot, where he loads it up off the pass and just slings it um, over. I guess it was Aiden Hill this game. Uh, yes. It was one nothing early. Aiden Hill, the guy who could not make a save that was over his waist, basically. <laughs> yeah, everything that was shoulder height was just in. <laughs> Um, and he's a big guy, so maybe, maybe it's because when he goes down, it's hard for I don't know, but he's a big guy. Too. Is he big? He is. Yeah. Uh, he's he's only six six. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess yeah, that's he's fair. only a, a whole foot taller. Than, well, that's not saying much, but um, <laughs> yes. So you're right. Uh, that was a great play by Pearson, and he's had a couple of rough outings. But yeah, not only start that rush, then to take the puck off the defender, and then to find Besser, who had all the time in the world, and he made no mistake. So nice to see Pearson's confidence. And certainly nice to see Bester's confidence in gripping and ripping for sure. Absolutely. And then about four minutes later, Canucks are on the power play. Uh, Logan Couture goes to the box for a trip. I think it was like sort of a knee on knee, uh, but kind of mild. Um, yeah. And this was a this was a power play where the Canucks just passed the puck, like every like just passing the whole time, <laughs> passing, passing, passing. And just as everyone is typing up on Twitter. They need to shoot the puck. <laughs> Eventually, it goes to Bo Horvat. A great pass again from JT Miller. That cross ice pass that sometimes works, <laughs> oh. but when it doesn't, it looks really bad. Uh, but he fires it across ice, and again, right shoulder of Aiden Hill fires it, and it's two nothing. Yes, uh, that Miller diagonal pass to Horvat. It is beautiful when when they do connect, and uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. Because you're right. I just thought about uh, you pointed out that's Horvat's off offside technically he's got to take it across his body which is mm-hmm. pretty impressive pretty yeah impressive. it's one of those things where you can kind of you can kind of receive it as you turn so it kind of yes. like hits your stick as you turn but yeah it's not as easy as if you're a righty on that left side because you can just take yep. it and sort of sling it like Besser did on that first goal yep 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 uh 59 seconds later uh it is rough uh San Jose gets one back uh, unlucky play shot goes off of Pod Colson and then right to Timo Meyer when no one really notices yeah. Uh, and he scores to make it two one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Tanner Pearson doesn't score when he should have. 
<laughs> there was the puck that came. I guess it, it literally came from behind the net, and Tanner Pearson had a wide open net because the goalie was looking the other way. It hit his skate. He missed it, and I was mad. Um, yes, but that was kind of yeah. it in the first period. Uh, shots were thirteen to ten, San Jose, but a pretty even period, I think. Uh, nothing too too crazy. Um, but yeah. Canucks up two one. Yeah, and a lot of people were talking about interested to see how the Canucks would do or react because it was Bruce Boudreaux's first road game, right after mm-hmm. five initial home games so they're fine the first road period was very good yeah absolutely um second period was kind of a mess the canucks (laughs) played really bad in the second period uh i want hold on before i say anything else i want you to pronounce the san jose player's name you know who i'm talking about yes so i i won't cheat i'm just gonna look at it i'm just gonna read it real quick okay yeah you ready yeah his name is Okay, his name is Jaden Hagbiljewax. <laughs> That's not at all what it is, but <laughs> I, I respect it. Uh, oh, oh, before we go anywhere, we, we, we received a super chat. So do you want to read it out? Oh, I didn't yeah. notice it. Lucas. I know, because you're, uh, you're concentrating so hard, Parker, and keeping the show going. I get to hang out in the chat. So why don't you do the honors and read this? Thank you, Lucas. Yeah, so Lucas, uh, with our stats here, saying, in regards to the win against Columbus, Cucks first regulation home win from a three-goal deficit since February 13th, 1996, oh, wow. versus the... Former Winnipeg Jets, now Arizona, who also might not have a team soon. Uh, different topic, though. Uh, yeah. Rallied down from uh, from four one in for uh, in the second for a five four victory. Thank you very much, Lucas. We appreciate Thank you, it. Lucas. Yes, um, not only for the info but for the donation. Mm-hmm. Uh, much appreciate appreciated. Twenty five twenty five years since that's we did good, that. so long. It's <laughs> twenty five and a half. It's almost twenty six. <laughs> um, I guess that's not much of a difference, really. But. Right. Um, so you're saying yeah. it's not Jaden Hagelbuax? No, what sh- shorty shorty went with Holdguax? Okay, um, which is what I'm sort of sticking with. I have the NHL pronunciation guy, but it's from last year, and he wasn't an NHL player. Uh, so, so I got nothing. That was his first NHL game, uh, but he had a breakaway uh, that Demko saved. Canucks get their first shot of the second period, hmm. 14 and a half minutes in. Now, technically, they credited Brock Besser with a shot like six or seven minutes in. <laughs> but it was like a pass I, or no, I think he hit the side of the net, but they credit him with one anyways. I don't know if they took it away later, yeah. uh, but their first actual shot 14 and a half minutes in, but they still score. <laughs> they still score the only goal of the period. Uh, JT Miller feeds him uh, in the bottom corner of the faceoff circle. And yeah. once again, he just rips it under the bar as mm-hmm. Brock Besser does on the short side this time. And it's three, one Vancouver. And I remember Parker, we, we bring this up every week. Now we talk about how good of a pass Miller is. And we always talk about how, Goody is passing from everywhere, but especially from down low. And that was a perfect example of it. And I love what you said. Well, I didn't love the fact that it happened, but you make such a good point. San Jose was completely dominating that period. So this goal was against the flow of the play, but I would argue same with the next goal we're going to talk about was also against the flow of the play because things reversed in the third period. Right. Yeah. And and you, I mean, you mentioned Miller's passing Miller is now once again, above a point per game this season. Wow. Uh, 32 points in 31 games, 10 goals, 22 assists. And lots of those are first assists, right? Like it seems that he's the one making the plays a lot of the time. Uh, But yeah, we go to the third period. And again, a bad period for the Canucks. They get outshot 12 to five in the second, but it's another chance for that bounce back, right? The, Mm -hmm. the Bruce Boudreaux bounce back. Can they do it? And they, they do. They absolutely dominate the third period. And right as, once again, right as everyone's tweeting, man, the Canucks are such a third period team. 
looking at you, Thomas Trance, who tweeted out once again, Canucks <laughs> are dominating the third period about 15 seconds before San Jose comes the other way. And Andrew Cogliano gets his third of the season. Uh, did you know Andrew Cogliano was still playing hockey for one? Uh, <laughs> no, and, but uh, then I saw his face and realized how old he looks. And I said, yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and this was, this was rough for Noah Juleson. Uh, this was a bit of a welcome to the NHL moment. Uh, yeah. he, he did the puck, like they got lobbed down it bounced over a stick. Cogliano was in all alone. You'd like to see him like take the body or put sure. his body in front of the puck even, and just, yeah. and like put your, like use your glove and, and swat it away or something. Uh, but Cogliano finds the five hole, another one that Demko probably wants to save. And things looking a little iffy, right? Uh, sure, the Canucks mm -hmm. are, are starting the period well, but it's already 3-2. Yeah, I'm not going to go too hard on Jolson, given that he, him, and Burroughs, and even Breezeball before he left the game. What is it with guy, losing Canucks defenseman halfway through a game? But these guys are all playing a bit out of their elements, a bit uh, more than we expected them to with so many regulars out. So, But yeah, that was a rough look. And he did have a rough third period. And by the way, we should... Uh, honor uh, uh, mentioned Lucas once again, who drops another donation. Thank you. I'm so glad we passed 1000 subscribers. This is fun. Uh, <laughs> also a funny stat on the win in Columbus. The blue jackets were have yet to be yeah, yeah, even exist when that record happened. They That's came crazy. in the year. Yeah. 2000. And that we're talking about a record from 1996. Thank you, yeah. Lucas for the, the tidbits and for the donations. We do. Yeah, appreciate That's crazy. It. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, to mention Noah Juleson again, right? Yeah, he's he's what like the thirteenth defenseman <laughs> on the Canucks depth chart, and he played seventeen minutes that night, right? Like again, I, I I'm being kind of hard on him, but he is like he's like a a mid tier AHL defenseman, yeah, who is who is forced to play almost eighteen minutes uh, in yeah. an NHL role. Like that's tough, uh, and you know, fair enough. But now we've definitely won that uh, Yulevi trade for sure. I'm, I'm just kidding. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> So it's 3-2. Uh, San Jose kind of getting some pressure on again. Kind of score effects yeah. taking place a little bit, right? San Jose mm -hmm. dialing up the pressure. Uh, the Sharks are in trying to tie the game. Uh, and then we have uh, Brent Burns looking like he has an open net. And Thatcher Demko makes this crazy sprawling save where he like kicks the right pad out and his legs are like this and he like <laughs> makes a huge save. And it's unbelievable. And the Canucks go right the other way. And uh, JT Miller, they're in like three on two or something like that. And JT Miller just shoots it yep. and he scores because Aiden Hill can't save anything, like you said, uh, above the waist or the shoulders. Uh, <laughs> a clutch goal for the Canucks, unassisted, and it's 4-2. Yeah. 4-2, my favorite score prediction, as you know, but it wasn't meant to be because uh, a very unselfish play by Petey on that empty netter. Yep, they pull the goalie with about 75 seconds yep. to go and just about 10 seconds later. Uh, great play by Kyle Burrows to sort of chip it up the wall. The defender yep. misses it. It's a two-on-one. The defender goes to pressure Pedersen. He just slides it over. And Jason Dickinson, who has only had one goal before this this year, uh, slides it into the empty net. He was fired up. You saw he like he like pretended to break the stick to like snap the slump, um, <laughs> which was nice to see. Uh, good on Jason Dickinson, who has looked so much better. Yeah, uh, in these last six games, I was just gonna ask you. So you you like the way he's been playing since Boudreaux's been here? He he looks like an entirely different player. He yeah. like he he looks like what we were sort of promised, but maybe even a little better. But I don't want to get mm. too far ahead of myself. But he <laughs> looks more aggressive. He's he's getting scoring chances every game, which is yeah. bizarre because it's it's Jason Dickinson who's supposed to be like shut down, shut down, shut down. But now he's actually getting some chances and he's getting a few shots every game. Uh, I thought he had a, did he have a bunch of shots this game? No, he had three shots this game, which is still good. Yeah. Um, fine. But yeah, he's been, uh, he's been playing, playing really well. Wow. 
Would you agree? So, yes, that makes it six straight, which is awesome. And that's the last Canucks game we can talk about. And we'll talk about the scheduling in a second. Would you agree with the sentiment or the argument that Travis Green coached to hide, mask the deficiencies of the team, i.e. bad D, whereas Boudreaux really capitalizes on the strength of our team, which is good offense? That seems to be the case. And yep. the thing is, it's not like this this Bruce Boudreaux like focusing on good offense is making the D look bad, though, which sure. is which is kind of what's been surprising to me, right? I figured, look, if the Canucks are going to win games, they're going to have to win them 4-3, 5-4, 6-3, right? Like these big scores, they're going to have to outplay their defense, especially when you have Noah Juleson playing 17 minutes. You have Kyle Burroughs playing 16 minutes. You have... All of Reckman Larson forced to play 26 minutes in a night because you're just you only have five defensemen dressed, right? And they only allow two goals against, right? They allow yeah. sure they allowed 36 shots, but they weren't super high danger. Mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. of course, you have Demko back there who's who's always gonna make you look good. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's been a um it, it definitely feels just so much different. And yeah, it feels like they have a chance to come back in these games, right? It feels like yeah. if the other team scores first, the game's not over like it yes. has felt in the past. Yes, and I do like how even though it was only two games, they're kind of two very different games. One where we had to come back from a three-goal deficit, another one where we're protecting a two-goal lead. So um, I like it. I like it a lot. Absolutely, and, like and that's a divisional win too. Yes. Uh, Canucks move up the standings a little bit. Uh, well, they are still seventh, but they are <laughs> one point back of San Jose. Uh, San Jose has one game in hand. That's fine. San Jose is going to fall off. Yeah, uh, they are three points back of LA and they are just six points back of a playoff spot. Uh, Edmonton who has been on a bit of a collapse. They've won the last two after losing six mm-hmm. straight. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have uh, 36 points. Well, the Canucks have 30 and the Canucks isn't that crazy? Two more games. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy after the, and, and I know you've talked about this on your streams. I've heard you talk about it and I know I've talked about it too. As exciting as this is, it's still going to be a very formidable task to get in the playoffs they just it's such a big hole right there's such a deep yeah. hole but i can't believe we're talking about six to eight points behind fourth spot now which is un- almost unfathomable three weeks ago yeah yeah it's uh it's a totally different looking team and i mean you're, you're you have to start thinking about okay which teams are you going to overtake right uh like how are you going to make this happen la and san jose I mean, you have to get past them because they are probably going to be the fifth and sixth or around there. Yes. So you have to leapfrog them. Yep. Then you got to get past one other team. If that's a team in the central uh, so that you'd have like five wild cards in the Pacific, I think that's unlikely, right? Yes. So you're going to have to pass one of these Pacific teams. Vegas, yep. I don't think that's going to happen. They're, nope. on a, they're on a hot streak right now. They're going to get Eichel back in a month or so maybe. Uh, th- that's not going to happen. Um, Calgary and Edmonton, again, they're looking a little... Not great right now. Anaheim is sort of my target. You know, they've played more games than anybody. They've played 32 games, hmm. 40 points. The are 10 points back on them, but they're looking not great. And you look at things like I like to look at, you know, the athletics model and, and see where they place everyone. And yeah. on their on their sort of projections, if anyone's going to fall out, Anaheim looks to be uh, the house leader there. Ah, you know, it's interesting because I I would think so too, because I I do think Calgary is for real. I think Edmonton, uh, how can you, they should be good with their, with their, their two good players. But then I do, I I agree with you. Anaheim would seem to be the one to catch too, but they are six, one and three in their last 10. So granted that's only six and four, but 
they're not completely i hear what you're saying though they're probably the weakest of those four teams uh mm-hmm. i don't know tough to say tough to say yeah i was gonna pull up the uh their thing here but i don't think i can but okay basically anaheim so their their odds of making the playoffs they have vegas at 97 that's pretty uh, good calgary at 87 <gasps> edmonton at 83 yeah now if you think about it, if you think the canucks are the next best team or or can take one of them out then that 13% missing from Calgary and the 17% missing from Anaheim, that's where you'd take the Canucks, right? Uh, they have Anaheim at 64% to Ooh. make the playoffs. And then they have LA at 19, San Jose at 16. The Canucks are at six. They were at <laughs> one two weeks ago. And the Kraken are down to two. Wow. Now, what gets a little scary is, remember, even if the Canucks get fourth in the Pacific, if the Central has their fifth place team higher than that, then that gets a little dodgy because they have the stars at 41% right now uh, who are projected to get fifth in that division. So it's going to be rough. It's an uphill climb. Yeah. But keep in mind, and and Dom Decision, whose model this is, ha- has said, look, this this heavily favors the last the players' performance from the last three seasons and especially this season thus far, right? You think okay. Canucks sample size, right? The Canucks played how many games this year? 30? Well, 24 yeah. of them were under the previous coach and six of them were under this current coach. If right. you think these six uh, matter more than those previous 24, which you'd have reasons for and against, uh, right? New coach can be, you know, a, a big plus. And you could say, well, the new coach has been great. That's the team we're going to see the rest of the way. You could also say, well, this new coach is just like a temporary bump and then it might flatten out over time, right? You could have arguments both ways. So he's mm-hmm. even said, look, if, if there's any team that's going to defy those odds, uh, the Canucks have as good a shot as any because they do look like an entirely different team. Wow. Fascinating. That's really neat. I was aware of Dom's stats. I didn't know that we had climbed a whopping 5% to get to six. So we'd have to win another five or six in a row just to get in double digit playoff percentage, correct? I think if they won two more, they'd probably be there. Okay. Um, okay. But like if they'd beat Toronto, I think they'd be there yeah. um, just because it's such a high like ELO based opponent. Because uh, Toronto is, I think, their number one or their number two ranked uh, team by strength behind Colorado. What's ELO? Um, Sounds like a rapper or something. ELO is like a, it's like a, a way to rank teams. It's it's oh, like a okay. chess sort of thing. Um, okay. Typically, but it's basically a way. Of, it's like a ranking system. If you said um, emo, then I know you're talking about me, but it's ELO. Yes. Okay. No, sure. much different. Okay. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of it for the last couple of games and where the Canucks are at. Um, yeah. And I mean, I guess we should talk about the the two games that didn't happen this week that we expected to, and uh, the other two games that I mean, we're supposed to have a game Saturday and Sunday, which were going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, Toronto, that was a big game. Arizona might have been a free win. I'm not going to yeah. go that far, but uh, then they were supposed to have a game tomorrow night uh, and a game Thursday night. Uh, but looks like neither of those are happening this week. You're right. A story of two types of cancellations: the Saturday Sunday were canceled basically in one fell swoop and uh, we knew Toronto had a lot five or six players we knew Vancouver had their five or six players yeah and again I was bowling so I bowl only twice a week Tuesday night and Saturday morning and both times hockey related Columbus game on Tuesday night and then Saturday I was bowling and I was getting ready to make uh, arrangements to go to the game my first Toronto game in 12 years as a season ticket member because we always sell them and then Mike and I were gonna go and sure enough by I guess 11 or 11 30 we knew that there was no game which is fine we understood i think you are good at this parker i i know i tried to do this perspective yes sure we want to go to games yes we want to cheer on this team that's on a six game win streak but 
there's other bigger problems in the world right now. So uh, without getting too into that, and then then Sunday was was canceled as well. Uh, sorry, not canceled, postponed, of course. So right. th- those two first, and then as part of their memo yesterday, all Canada U.S. opponent yesterday, those games were postponed. So that took out Tuesday, San Jose, Thursday, Anaheim, and then today they announced that all games, regardless of Canada, Canada, U.S., Canada, or U.S., U.S., everything postponed through Christmas now. Yeah, yeah, and it's it was it was unfortunate the way it worked Saturday because you heard a lot of stories of people like coming from the island or coming yeah. from you know other places around and and yeah. you know mostly Maple Leafs fans, right? If you're if you're a Toronto <laughs> Maple Leafs fan who lives on the island, right? That's the one game a year you come out for, right? You, you right. get a hotel yes. for a couple nights, you come down, and the fact that it didn't get canceled till what was it like 10 a.m. Yeah, six hours before game time, right? You take the 9 a.m. ferry. <laughs> and you're kind of stuck out here now. I, I heard that BC Ferries like sort of comped the way back for them, which was nice. Oh, but good on them. Good on um, them. But yeah, I mean it, it's unlucky, and um, so that game, and then yeah, the the Sunday against Arizona, and and this, you know, this was supposed to be the big, the big potential for momentum, right? The Canucks take on Toronto if they can overcome that game. Well, then you got yes. Arizona, San Jose, and Anaheim all before the Christmas break. Then after the Christmas break, you have Seattle, Anaheim again, LA, Seattle, the Islanders who are bad, the Senators who are bad. Like you have so many. Oh. You know, th- there was a real potential for, for a 15 big straight. Run. <laughs> maybe, probably yeah. not. But yeah. I mean, let's, you know, the Canucks maybe, if the Canucks could have a little like six and two run here, which yep. wouldn't be that out of the question looking at some of the teams they were against. I mean, they do that, and suddenly they're three or four games above 500. Which is crazy. And, wow. and and I mean, now you're talking about a team that's a couple points out, right? Like it's yes, and it's. I mean, look, that Toronto game gets pushed back. Now, maybe if you just if we're just focused on standings, maybe that's maybe that's a good thing, right? Especially if let's say let's say the Canucks come back after Christmas, which is what they're shooting for, which would be the 27th against Seattle, right? Yes. Well, then you have, like I said, Seattle, Anaheim, L.A., Seattle, New York, Ottawa. Six all right beatable teams yeah. right that's what six yeah. games you got it let's say the Canucks go you know four one and one right yeah. and look that's optimistic and i've been very like whenever i do these predict projections i usually go on the negative side because because it's it's sort of emotionally hedging my bets it's the only uh, time i've been right all season the last two weeks <laughs> <laughs> but, but i mean look seattle's bad right anaheim's struggling john gibson's not playing the way that john gibson has played in yeah. the past uh, LA is pretty middling Seattle. Again, the Islanders have had their worst season in a while. Ottawa's not good, right? The Canucks have some really hard opponents. A couple weeks from now, they go on that like Metro tour where that metropolitan division is just a, a bunch of tough teams, but this was a chance or this stretch is a real chance to have six solid potential wins. And again, like I said, if you go four, one and one, well, then what? You're two games above 500 and yeah. you're, you're right back in the mix uh, yeah. come the new year. Yes. And that's a really good way of putting it and, and taking the season in chunks of games or week by week, as Boudreaux said. And even if the games weren't canceled, we could have not easily, but we could have come out of this weekend. We could have been talking about a team that was one game over 500 with victories over Toronto and Arizona. So it's yeah, it, it just it just shows how much progress they've made how much ground they've made up in two short weeks. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if they had gone one and one, let's say they lost to Toronto and beat Arizona. Yeah. Then they'd still be in a good spot, right? I mean, <laughs> they'd still be in a, in a totally, uh, in a, in a great place to be. So yeah, yeah I mean, the, these six games coming up, 
assuming they all happen, which hopefully they do, um, all winnable games. But then, yeah, then they have that stretch, right? Starting on the 11th of January, Florida, yes. Tampa Bay, Ooh. Carolina, Ooh. Washington, uh, then Nashville, who's yeah. sec- second in the central, uh, and then Florida and then St. Louis, who is third in the central, uh, and then the Oilers. Uh, wow. so they have, so they have basically a, they have six games that are fairly winnable and yep. they have like seven games that are tough. So <laughs> what you're hoping for is win as many of these next six as you can and try <laughs> to build up a little bit of a buffer. Cause then if sure. you go into the next six and you go two and four, yep. then maybe you're still sort of in it. Right. But if, if you falter during these six and then the next six, you know, you have tougher opponents, yep. then you start to fall behind that eight ball again. And, and this is a real good chance for them to, Hopefully, build up some wins, keep that momentum going, uh, and have a bit of a cushion going through the metro. And obviously, when the schedule makers make the schedule, they they don't they don't know who's going to be good and who's going to be bad, and they're not sitting there saying, "Oh, let's give the Canucks some softies over Christmas," but then they're we're going to rock them and jet. No, of course right. not. But it's just kind of funny how it works out that way. That uh, and and sure enough, I'm sure they're not going to go. Oh, I hope they go really well over the next six, and then maybe we, they surprise us over that eight as well. By the way, Lucas very much in the generous festive spirit his third donation of the show says uh, don't forget these four games are being kicked over to february when the olympic break gets the axe yes i think we're gonna be talking about that in a couple minutes lucas thank mm-hmm. you for the heads up awesome yeah absolutely so yeah and and hopefully for the canucks it's just those two right because uh, yeah. then they still get a little bit of an olympic break which would be nice and there's a lot of conflict you know like arenas are booked and stuff and yeah uh, i've heard that there's like insurance that goes into that where if there's okay. shows they can get canceled and stuff like that but but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks here, and, and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, look, next Monday, we'll be doing a show that night, as we do every Monday, and hopefully it could be after a win against Seattle, their first game in 11 days at that point it would be. Uh, that yeah. would be a nice little Christmas present. And um, if I'm supposed to go to that game, Parker, I was going to talk to you about this afterwards, but mm-hmm. we, you might have to start the first 10 or 15 minutes, and I'll do the same thing, get to my office and jump the in. The 10, 10 15, 15 start you, could be a, 10, 15 that start. worked really well last time. So maybe we'll pull that again. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I pulled it at 10, 14 and you were calm, ready cool to go. and collected. Yeah, you're good. Uh, all right. We got about 20 minutes left. So let's go over some other news that did sure. happen uh, this sure. week. First one, uh, first one that uh, after a pretty uh, odd week uh, among the front office with uh, Chris gear being named AGM or interim partially interim AGM or whatever. And then getting fired like a couple days later and people yeah. wondering, well, what does this mean for Stan Smeal? Who sort of stood up in that, uh, in that press conference and, and sort of ran the show with Francesco there, but he gets a little promotion. Uh, he goes from senior advisor, uh, to vice president of hockey operations. Yeah. So, uh, good for him for, especially, a lot of people were really impressed or uh, I felt sorry, or maybe a combination of both. They were happy that he was kind of the steady one throughout all this tumultuous week and a half. And a lot of good changes, obviously with Boudreaux and Rutherford, but Smeal was the one that I think a lot of people thought either he it didn't, it wasn't communicated well to him or about him, what his role was. So it's great to see him uh, assisting Rutherford. Likely. I, I never see him as the head GM. I never see him as the head president, but I think he's very good in a complimentary role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is going to be a good, a good role for him as well. And he really impressed at that press conference. And, and mm-hmm. like, you just look at like Twitter and everything. And people were, people were excited about uh, Stan Smeal. was like, man, this guy's talking. He's like speaking truth with Francesco <laughs> next to him. He's like, he's stealing questions from Francesco. He's like, I got this. And he's like saying good things. <laughs> so 
Uh, I think lots of people enjoyed that. Uh, and I mean, yeah. look, he, he sort of bleeds blue and green. Like he, he's a part yeah. of this team forever. Uh, and he always seems to want to be. So when they named him uh, as vice president, then they also they kept Ryan Johnson as Abbotsford GM, correct? I believe so. Yeah. I don't yeah. think they announced and, anything around that. Right. And the Sedin's still special advisors to the GM yeah. who we don't, we don't have yet, which is fine. To nobody right now. They are <laughs> on their own. They're, they're advising themselves. <laughs> they're just going. <laughs> um, and then they also made another hire this mm. week, sort of a guy who I guess Rutherford was familiar with. Uh, they hired Derek Clancy. Uh, yeah. And the only thing, again, I mentioned this before the show, the only thing I get from Derek Clancy is thinking of Clancy Wiggum uh, from the Simpsons, <laughs> uh, Chief Wiggum. Um, I don't watch but, the Simpsons, but I do know who that is. I do know who that is. Yeah. Yes. Um, but he was a scout for the Flames um, up to now. So the Canucks countering the Flames, stealing all of, all of our players. We go and steal their scout, uh, which is great. Uh, but he also, uh, he was like the director of player personnel and director of pro scouting mm. with pittsburgh under jim rutherford so he sort of left when rutherford left he joined the flames and now he is back uh underneath jim rutherford good uh, it makes sense that rutherford will surround himself at least with some people that he he's comfortable with and remember he did say in his very first presser that he was already close to hiring not a general manager but at least an assistant general manager so maybe clancy was the one he was talking about and it's funny parker when you hear clancy you think of the guy from the simpsons um, I, I know I was talking about, I, I know there was a trophy, but I, I couldn't remember what it's for. And I see it now, the King Clancy sports award giving mm. to the NHL player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice. And who has made a significant human humanitarian contribution to his community. Yeah. So, and the Sidians won that a couple of yeah. years ago in their last season. So Derek Clancy uh, must be great then. Probably <laughs> it's spelled differently. There's an E in his name. Oh, true. Um, but I'm sure it's named after him. Love it. Uh, so that's good. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, do you want to go the assistant route or sure. the GM route? Let's work our way up. Let's go assistants, then GM. All right. So the Canucks didn't, I mean, obviously they didn't name any AGM candidates. That'd be crazy if they just said, Hey, we're looking at these people. Um, but there were some reports coming out. Um, the big name, uh, floating around is Jennifer Botterill. Yeah. Um, who is on the hockey net in Canada panel. And they kind of questioned her about it, which was kind of, uh, uncomfortable why well, didn't um, see that no uh, <laughs> how'd she uh, handle yeah, it but, uh she was kind of like yeah i don't really want to you know <laughs> like she, she didn't uh she didn't do much uh she, she kind of danced around it uh, <laughs> a little bit but uh jennifer botterill um i mean olympic gold medalist uh three time for uh, team canada and then obviously all the women's championships uh very very decorated playing career um yep. Uh, she's done. She did like, she had like a Harvard degree. Um, uh, she did a bunch of stuff. Uh, she, she's, if, if I, I mean, I, I saw lots of sort of negativity being like, Oh, you just hired the most qualified person. It doesn't have to be a woman. It's like, well, maybe, you know, Hey, we've been ignoring all the women for, you know, however many years, maybe we're missing a few really good candidates, uh, by yep. singling out half of the population. So, uh, I think she has a psychology degree from Harvard, which I I'm sure you don't get uh, that easily. That doesn't sound like a, like a very easy degree to get. And obviously, uh, really uh, well-respected, uh, on hockey in Canada. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it looks like she's sort of the front runner, um, yeah. based on what we've heard so far. Yeah. I wasn't sure how uh, I wasn't sold on her in hockey night when I first saw her, but I, I will admit, I'm not just saying this now, 
that she definitely grew on me and I really respect her the way she's able, she knows the game. She's able to articulate herself and, and certain things about points about the game. And it's kind of, it would be ironic if it's her as opposed to her brother, Jason Bottero, who everyone's scared for the Canucks to hire. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, let's not hire that guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think I'd much rather her be in the organization than, uh, the, uh, the guy who gave Skinner that contract because that's yes, a little that scares Skinner me. Contract. That okay, scares so there's, me a little bit. So there's Jen Botterell. Who else is in, who's in the uh, Another one I've heard is uh, Angela Ruggiero, oh. uh, who I didn't know all that much about, but she uh, also was she was on the U.S. side, I think, um, oh. on the Olympic team. Uh, also won a gold medal. Uh, just you know, not as many because Canada's better. Uh, yeah. But gold in '98, uh, silver in '02 and 2010. Uh, and bronze in, in turn in 2006, uh, four world championship gold medals, uh, also in the Hockey Hall of Fame, just like uh, mm -hmm. Jennifer Botterill. Uh, I haven't heard too much on her. I don't know if she's, um, I don't know what she's currently doing. I haven't heard her name around too much. Um, and her Wikipedia page is uh, is not great at telling you what people are currently doing, just what they did in the past. <laughs> um but I mean, she, I mean, she was called top defenseman in the world in 2003 by the Globe and Mail. Uh, so she's a very good, <laughs> she was a very good hockey player, uh, at the very wow. least. Okay. That's good. I, um, I will admit I have nothing to add to what you just said. <laughs> Damn, I haven't done much research on, on AGM candidates because I mean, if you look at who our last AGM was, uh, John Weisbrod, uh, what, oh, what was, what did he do day to day? Clay, can you, can you lay that out for me? Uh, same answer as the previous. Yes. Yeah. Although he uh, did, he did walk up and and uh, shook shook the hands of our new newly drafted players. That's what he did. Yes, and apparently he ran like an NBA organization into the ground. Oh, uh, before oh. coming here. Yes. Thanks, thanks, John. <laughs> uh, all right, GM candidates, uh, the bigger ones, obviously, because uh, yep. they're the they're the big decision makers. Um, report today from Rick Dollywall on Donnie and Dolly. I know you keep up pretty often with them and yeah uh, i think i watched about 30 minutes of their show today mm. um and uh yeah uh, he has been hearing the name chris mcfarland flying with around me a little bit and that has been sort of the consensus person at least online right and yeah. what do we know not much right not much we we get all of our information from the internet typically and and <laughs> tv and radio uh chris mcfarland obviously uh for those of you who haven't heard uh, of who he is. He is the current assistant general manager uh, under Joe Sackick in, uh, in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Basically, I mean, he joined the team in 2015, 2016. They had that historically bad year. Remember, remember Colorado like five years ago, how they're their worst team in history. Oh, they're they so like, bad. What, what do they have? Like 48, 40. Points? Yes. Yeah. Is that actually what it was? I, it was I very bad here. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Bednar's first year too. And they I, won, I, I was... they won 22 games. Yeah. They had 56 losses, four OTLs. They scored only 166 goals, two goals per game while allowing 278, 48 points. And the following year they had 95. <laughs> <laughs> they, doubled, they, doubled. <laughs> they literally doubled their points. And then now they are considered to be potentially the best team in hockey, right? They, yeah. they have, they get 92 points in the shortened season that goes 70 games. They get 82 last year on a 56 game season knocked out in the second round. But now, I mean, you look at them right now and once again, they had a slow start to the season, but they're 16, eight and two 
and, and they're right back in it. So he has been credited with sort of being Joe Sackick's right hand man. And mm-hmm. clearly whatever they are doing is working. Um, yes. More background on him. Uh, he was in the Columbus organization basically for the 15 years before that. Uh, he okay. was their director of hockey ops for about seven years. Then their AGM for about eight years uh, managed the uh, managed their AHL team for a couple of years in there as well. So he has the experience, right? He's been, he's been around the NHL for 22 years, basically at this point. Uh, and he seems to be very well respected, very highly regarded. The thing is, can you pull him out of Colorado? Yeah. You know, that's a really good point because I, I guess generally you'd hope that presidents and general managers of other teams, if the Canucks ask for permission to speak to certain guys who are AGMs, generally, I, I think the rule of thumb is that you're not supposed to stand in the way of a promotion. It'll be different yeah. if we were trying to take them for the same role here. Right. But so, right. Um, it's, but yes, Chris McFarland, you and I have talked about him on this show before. We might not know a lot about him, but we do know that him and Joe Sackick are building something pretty darn good in Colorado for sure. For sure. Right. And that's, I think that's the main name we've heard recently. Have you heard any other names? get? Yeah. Two, two I want to bring up one of them that no one's brought up, but I, I keep talking about him is this guy named Eric Tulski. He's the assistant mm-hmm. general manager in Carolina, very Carolina. analytics base. But the one, I think hell of a shot mentioned him a, a few minutes ago. And I've heard a bit more today is Patrick Alvin. It is it, spelled like Alvin, but it's Alvin. Yeah. Cause it's like Sadine. He's from Sweden. He's he the, the guy assist- on, is he the guy on Twitter? Or is that a different guy? Yeah, I don't know. There's on one Twitter, guy on but... Twitter who gets angry and defends all the Swedish players. Is that him? Oh, maybe. So <laughs> oh. he is the AGM in another AGM in Pittsburgh right now working with Ron Hextall. So could it be another Pittsburgh uh, Penguin front office guy coming over? We'll see. So yeah, Patrick Alvin. Yeah, and I think, I don't think it's the same guy. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, thank goodness, because I that guy bothers me. Um, I, who I is think... that other guy? Did you figure it out? I don't know. Uh, okay, okay. It's definitely Patrick something. I, I thought it would get suggested to me. Okay. Um, okay. But it hasn't. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously Chris McFarland seems like, you know, not, I mean, look, first time GMs, you can't say they're a slam dunk. Yeah. Um, but with how highly regarded that he is. Um, and same with, like you mentioned, Eric Tulski, who sort of had this meteoric rise, right? He went mm. from being an analyst for the Hurricanes for three years, starting in 2014. And then he became their director of analytics and their vice president of hockey management for a couple of years. And then the last last year and this year, he's been their AGM. So he's basically shot up from an analyst. And then five years later, he's their AGM. And everyone says he's basically this this extremely smart uh, analytics guy who I I don't know. I don't know. He just dissects everything really well. And (laughs) and apparently he knows what he's doing. Uh, It would be a crazy move to go from basically analyst in 2016 17 to a general manager five years later (laughs) that is a big jump but with how well regarded he seemingly is uh in all of these circles you got to wonder if the the thought process is well should we just grab him before anyone else can right Mm. sure maybe he's not totally ready for the job but do we want him to just be in our organization so that in two years, once he's got that management experience, he's like one of the best in the league. Um, you know, do you mm-hmm. sort of try to buy low ahead of time instead of him joining another team, maybe a rival, and then he's one of the best GMs in the league two years from now, and then you're competing with that forever? Yep, that's a good point. It's, it's a strategy often used in hockey pools or football pools where you might not need the guy, but you just take him so someone else can't get him. I, I, I'm not saying that this is the case here, uh, but there, there is some element of that for sure. If you see potential in him, 
is scoop them up now. Just like, you know, I, I often think if the Philly and Vancouver firings were reversed and Vigneault went first, would Boudreaux be in Philadelphia right now? I often think about that, actually. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, we heard that that might be why the Canucks made the move when they did, right? Yeah. There was rumors that uh, uh, Aquilini heard that other teams were sort of calling him and asking. So they just put a, put an offer that day. Like they were like, wow. all right, well, let's get him now while we can. Um, and I don't know. I, I think Philadelphia was sort of the rumor there. Um, yeah. Don't know if that's true, but that's one thing that I saw yeah. um, online at the very least. Okay, so imagine a team of of Clancy uh, with Botterill, and then one of McFarlane or Alvin. That's that's not bad. Or Tulski. But yeah, yep, that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, I think you're uh, you're feeling pretty good if it's uh, especially for me if it's a, if it's a Tulski or McFarland. Yeah. Uh, especially McFarland though, just a little bit more cachet and and experience. Sure. Um, last topic or last two topics I want to quickly touch on. Sure. Do we have the black skate coming back? We saw this morning yeah. at practice, Thomas Drance tweets out first saying, it looks like Demko's in some sweet retro gear. He tweets out the Kirk McLean helmet. And then finally we get some good reporting. Harm dial goes down, gets to ice level, gets the photo of him with the black CCM pads. You see, they got like the normal CCM logo on top, like the new one, but the oh. retro CCM logo on the front. He's got nice. like the brown looking glove and blocker. Um, they got to be doing something retro. And you got to wonder, is this just a big PR push from Aquilini trying to be like, I was right. Because, uh, like, I mean, he's been big on Twitter lately. Now that the team's doing well. He's all over Twitter. I wonder <laughs> if he's just trying to get as much public support as he can right now. So, Parker, uh, I followed the story today. Did it only pick up legs because Demko was wearing the, this mask and these pads? Yeah, so he was wearing the mask, the pads, the glove, and the blocker. Basically yep. breaking in new equipment right like getting ready to play it in oh. games because you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna use this equipment for the first time in a game right you're, gotcha. gonna, you're gonna get it worn in a little bit uh lucas with another super chat five bucks wow. saying i would not rule it out uh fair enough yeah. um i mean you heard uh, uh donnie and dolly again talking about it today and they were wondering well what if you went a different route right what if we were running the black v right or the white skate or like change it up a little bit which i love right mix mm. it up a little bit uh, the Canucks have been leaning on that reverse or not the reverse retro, but the sort of throwback retro, like the stick and rink, the stick and rink, but yes. kind of altered. Uh, they've worn yes. that a few times last year and this year. So, yep. you know, yep. is if there's potential to make that the permanent third, I do like the, the, the stick and rink one that they're currently using. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got no white on it. And it's just like the, the blue and green. Um, although I never really noticed they're wearing it until like there's a highlight and i like oh yeah they were wearing those that game because they look exactly the same uh like <laughs> the exact same colors um but i think that would be exciting yes um i'm a big fan of the black skate not only because that's when i was growing up following the team of course we know that it was slightly altered but i mean uh, modernized but yeah i love it i love it and um oh we knew that horvat said how much he loves it and the players look really sharp in it so some of the best pictures are horvat or pd or demko in them so We'll see. We'll see what happens in the new year for sure. But it sounds like a lot of people are talking about it. Where there's smoke, often with this team, there is fire. Absolutely. Um, all right. Good chance for you guys to get some questions in. Again, we're at like 11 o'clock, but we'll take a couple extra minutes. We'll take your questions, uh, wrap everything up nicely as we normally do. Uh, so that'll be a uh, that'll be a good time. Uh, Clay, yeah. anything else you want to talk about while we're here and waiting? 
Well, I'm just uh, curious to see what happens. Uh, I, I guess the one thing that we can quickly touch on when the NHL and the NHLPA agreed to potentially consider the Olympics, the part of their out clause or their clause was those three weeks. If we need them to make up games because of COVID, then we will use those three weeks potentially to make up games. So right. if they don't want to go to the Olympics because of not only political stuff, but more importantly, the safety, the threat of three to five weeks quarantine that we talked about last week, then it makes sense. Now with over 40 games postponed, it makes sense to try and do those games, make those games up in the, that three week period. I think we're going to hear something pretty quick, Parker, but uh, that seems to be the natural way to go as more and more players kind of express hesitation about going over to Beijing. Right. And you had about a week and a half ago, you had um, Bill yeah. Bailey even saying like, look, it's up to the players at this point. But we had a lot of talk yesterday. Um, I think Spit and Chicklets tweeted out that they had a source that said it that's not going to happen. Uh, mm -hmm. Elliot Friedman uh, said something similar. Emily Kaplan of ESPN said something like, yeah, it's not looking good. Um, and I think we're at that point where uh, it's just not going to happen. It's, it's sad, right? I mean, we're not going to see. We're It looks like we're never going to see McDavid and Crosby uh together on team canada right like yeah. the the power dynamic there yeah. um i gotta imagine ovechkin's still there in four years though <laughs> the way <laughs> the way he keeps gray hair <laughs> yeah i mean look i i mean even if ovechkin plays like three more years in the nhl and then yeah. goes back to russia i mean he's still playing in the olympics if he's 45 uh because because <laughs> he just seems to love the game so much but yeah, yeah it's it's sad right uh, we're not going to get this look at elias petterson uh in mm -hmm. you know potentially the top six of the swedish lineup um yeah. quinn hughes playing with like adam fox in the on the oh. usd right like that's that's so dynamic and so good yeah um and it's crazy how quickly it just sort of all fell apart yeah, Elliot Friedman did say on Donnie Dolly that maybe there's an outside chance the whole Olympics, not just the hockey, of course, the whole Olympics get bumped by a year. It seems almost too late for that, right? I mean, we yeah. had that we had that with Tokyo, uh, but yeah. I think I guess that happened probably three months out, uh, which isn't that. I mean, it's still two months out here almost. Yeah, uh, I guess only a month and a half really though uh, till the start. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I would be fine with that because we already we just had the Summer Olympics like that was so recent. Uh, but stuff like that's so hard on the athletes, right? Like the ones who specialize in like hockey, like they just do it extra. Right. But mm -hmm. the like the speed skaters and, and all these people who who train so hard for this one specific event and one yeah. specific year and they're going so hard right now and then to have to take another year. And be like, okay, now I have to do this hard training again next year or over the next 12 months or whatever. That's so hard on just the body and the mental uh, to be an Olympian and have to, instead of being on a four-year cycle, make it a five-year cycle, uh, especially when they're this close. It just that seems, is, it seems unlikely. Excellent point. Sp spoken like a true athlete and a, a true, a true donation site. Lucas, a fifth donation <laughs> Parker, we should be happy to see the NHLers not going to Beijing political. Code. Yeah, we're going to hear a lot more about that. I, 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 we probably shouldn't get into it with two minutes left in the show. But yes, Lucas, that's a very fair. Um, that's a very fair statement for mm. sure. And I, I mean, I, I'm thinking just just purely health wise. Yeah, that's yeah. that's fair. But I mean, I, you also and I'm, I'm thinking for hockey, right? For hockey, these players, you know, they all do it for a living. And the Olympics yeah. are sort of a bonus. Yeah. But you think of all these athletes who work literally their entire lives for a moat for like one shot like this. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, even with like political stuff aside, right. You know, they have to, they have to make the decision 
They're like, hey, is this thing that I've trained my entire life for? Do I not go A to make a political stand or B because I'm I'm worried about having to be stuck there in quarantine, right? That's a that's so hard of a of a decision to put on these people who've trained their whole lives for these things. Uh, so yes. either way, it's just uh, it's just an unfortunate scenario uh, all around. We'll see. We're gonna find find out pretty quick, I think. Um, last thing I want to la- okay, we got one question here that I want to use as the last topic. Okay, uh, from hell of a shot. Do you think Vancouver could win a bid for Vancouver 2030? There was some. I remember I wow. I, I I saved an article about this. Uh, earlier this week because I saw it and then I completely forgot about it, but it sounds like they are going to be putting a bid together um, potentially. And working with some of our first nations people, is that correct? Yeah. So the Vancouver and the first nations announced a committee to explore a possible 2030 Olympic bid. Now there's a lot of politics around this around like, (laughs) you know, like all the money involved and all this stuff. Look, I'm selfish. Uh, Vancouver 2010, I was 12. <laughs> I I didn't get to really enjoy it. I went I went to a sledge hockey game, which was great. I went to a, I went to one of the like nightly ceremonies, which was fun. Uh, I went I saw the torch run past, run through Langley at one point. That was great. You mean someone carrying the torch? Like yeah, someone the torch carrying the torch. Yeah, okay. right. The torch yeah. did not have legs. Well, you were 12. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> but I just like the idea of uh, of having the sort of the big party around it. Sure, it's expensive and I can and, you know, there's a bunch of reasons not to do it, but it would be so much fun. It would be a very fun two and a half weeks to have another gold medal game here for hockey and all these other events. I mean, I would be I'd be taking two weeks off work. I'd be at every event I could go to because that would just be uh, a really fun event. I don't know if I'm more excited that we could host Olympics twice in 20 years, or if I'm more sad that uh, another reminder that I am 24 years older than you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it'll, you'll still have fun. You'll still go to a couple of hockey games. Yeah, exactly. If I can get, use my cane to get up the, the steps, I guess, into my they got, seats. They got ramps. <laughs> They got ramps built for for that. You're good. That's aw- that's awesome, man. That's Twelve <laughs> years old. Wow. Yeah, wow. it would just it would just be a lot of fun. Uh, so that's I I'm of the boat of, eh, go for it. We have most yeah. of the facilities already, right? Yep. We got an yep. arena. We got the oval. We've got the mountains. Well, we might not have snow up there in ten years. Who knows? Uh, but they're you know they they made fake snow ten years ago anyways, right? Yeah, for 2010, exactly. They didn't actually have any snow that year. Uh, so First couple I, days for sure they had fixed. I, yeah. I think it would be a lot of fun. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll back the bid then you and me Canucks after dark. We'll back the bid. Yes. We'll be official sponsors by then. We'll be huge in, yeah. in nine years, <laughs> uh, or we'll be not doing this. We'll see. <laughs> uh, anyways, Clay, anything else you want to, any other topics you want to talk about here? No, well, I, I think, uh, re- respectful of the time. We want to thank everyone that was here today. Lucas, thank you for the donations and the, the thoughtful contributions. And to everyone, we're sorry we didn't get to your questions today, but there are a lot of, uh, a lot of good topics, even though the Canucks only played twice. A yeah. lot of things going on still. So we I'll give you guys your, some, some yeah. behind the scenes and we sort of do this subconsciously. We yeah. see that there's not a lot to talk about uh, sometimes like this, where there's only two games and a lot of stuff gets postponed. So we, so we sort of subconsciously talk more about the things that we do have. And yes. then somehow it makes us go long and we run out of time uh, because <laughs> we're terrible at time management. 
Um, but hey, we're getting better as we go. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And to everyone watching, I, I know Parker, you'll do the the official sign up, but we uh, we appreciate the support. We've grown a lot, especially in the past uh, month or so, as the Canucks have played better or if the Canucks were tire fire. Regardless, we appreciate you coming to us as one of your one of your places to get info in the chat, the Canucks and build community. And we we wish all of you very safe and 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 Merry Christmas for sure. Absolutely, and uh, you know this is our second to last show of the year. Uh, yeah, obviously. Uh, so happy holidays to everyone. Uh, it'll be after Christmas by the time we do this again. Uh, and yeah, uh, the 27th next week's show, like Clay mentioned, he's going to be at the game. If there is a game, if there is a game, then we will do the show at 10 15 yes. uh, p.m., which is sort of our, our standard. And I think I think that's the last Monday game the Canucks have on the schedule. We'll see if some of these postponements change that a little bit. Um but you know, we'll you know, I'll have my post game after the game, and then we'll come here, and it'll be a fun time. Awesome. Um, other than that, for this week, uh, I don't think you're gonna see a ton from us uh, because yeah. it is uh, it's the holiday season, so we're gonna take some time and hang out with our families and, and have a nice little holiday season, especially since the Canucks aren't playing. So there's not yeah. a lot to talk about. If there's a GM hiring, you'll hear from <laughs> both of us, I'm sure. Um, watch, they're gonna hire someone on Christmas Eve, and yeah. we're gonna have to do. We're going to say, see you, family. We got to talk hockey. <laughs> um, Turn on the computer. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they wait till like, if they do it like tomorrow or after Christmas, we're good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, we'll uh, we'll see you uh, all in about a week or so when the Canucks take on the Seattle Kraken. Uh, Clay, any parting words? Any Anything else you want to say here? Yeah. <laughs> I just love what you said about... Uh, yeah, the peek behind the curtain is we, we get on here 10 minutes before we say, okay, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll have enough to fill a show tonight. And if not, we can go to the people and inevitably we, it's the other way. We actually go to the people less on a night where we think we have less to talk about. So just talks about the passion around the team, the, the passion you and I have, and we appreciate the passion of everyone in here. So once again, thanks everyone and, and have a really good week and make sure that you spend that time with your, your loved ones as well. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow with some, some new announcements. We might be forced to be inside the whole time anyways. Who knows? All right. Who knows? Thank you guys very much for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next week.